Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close to person with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I said in every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? We have longtime Quiet Riot bassist Chuck Wright with us today. He's proud and excited to release his debut solo album, Sheltering Sky, on Cleopatra records on may 20th the album's 11 tracks illustrate his impressive songwriting ability as he either wrote or co-wrote all nine original songs on the album the new single from sheltering sky is throwing stones a fierce and passionate call for the end of armed conflict a call which couldn't be more perfectly timed for today's world and we're excited to talk to him so welcome to the show welcome to the show everybody <clears throat> now I always like to start out the show the same way. We, you know, oh, yes. as you know, the last couple of years have been rough for a lot of people, have, especially definitely. entertainment. So how has COVID affected you? And what have you done in this time to make it work? Well, uh, the exact reason that I have a solo album is is due to the pandemic, and I tried to take wow. a bad situation and make it good. I finally had the time to sit down and compose again. Now um, I know you mentioned Quiet Riot, which I've been in and out of for. I was in the band total 26 years but since wow. since 81 uh, off okay. and on but I, I played with a lot of people i had my own band called house of lords on rca and, and i've done over 100 albums oh, wow. But wow. in the last many years between my weekend flyouts with quiet riot and i run an event in hollywood called ultimate jam night yeah. at a legendary whiskey of gogo which it's we have between 50 to we've had as many as 100 professional musicians that come together um, based on a theme for the show, like this yeah. coming week is Britain is called Britain Rocks, so it's all British acts, and there's so many right. of them. This is part one. We're going to be doing many, many parts. So, cutting to when the pandemic when it hit, I found this this time, and I, I'm looking around at the world with all the empty empty streets, and everybody's shuttered in, and it felt a, like apocalyptic to me. So I, I just sat down and just started writing this this piece of music, this instrumental piece of music. And um, I actually used iPhone just to film myself, and and um, I edited together some footage of, of like New York City and Rome and all these major uh, cities that were there's nobody there. And I had one character um, in the, in the video that's in a hazmat suit, like he's the last man on earth left. Oh wow! That was the feeling of it. It's called the weight of silence because everything's mm. silent now, and how how heavy that is. So I put that out myself. And then um, I get a call from from Troy Lucetta, who's the drummer from Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Goes, man, I saw your video. I love that song. Can I play drums on it? And I go, I haven't even considered that. It's, that's great. I go, sure. He's got a studio. I sent him some tracks to, to play to. He sent it back. And at the same time, um, an amazing guitar player named Alan Hines, who's a jazz fusion guitar player, um, R&B. He does. A, he's amazing. Anyway, he. He also said, hey, I love that song. You know, I can throw some guitar solo. So he sent me some solo work that I edited together, creating a thematic feel. And then I heard uh, my my friend Derek Sherinian, who was with Dream Theater and Sons of Apollo and has a ton of solo records out. And his new one's called Vortex, which is killer. He, he uh, you know, I, I contacted him go, hey, you want to throw some Mellotron and some, and some synths on this? So suddenly it turned into a whole different wow. animal, right? So I re-edited the video and put that out. And I just found out a couple of days ago that it it just won best instrumental and best oh, video wow. on the wow. Rock Music Alliance Awards, um, and it was up against Joe Satriani and John Five and all these other people. I was totally surprised. But that song does is it starts off my new album. It's the it's, it kind of sets the mood for the whole record. But the wow. pandemic is why. Um, I never intended to do a solo record. I mean, that's not what I was writing. I just sat down and just, I wrote music for me. You know, this this is music I want to listen to. And when you listen to the album from the, from the beginning to end, you're going to hear, um, music, uh, prog, you're going to hear jazz fusion. You're going to hear funk. You're going to hear, um, like Led Zeppelin type ballad kind of music. I even have a Celtic piece on there. I have a, like a Robert Allison Krauss type song on there that's more folky. So it covers a lot of territory and it kind of tells a whole story from beginning to end. So I bookend the album with that that finished version of Weight of Silence and the original version, which is just very stark with just me playing everything. So that wow. bookends the album. It kind of it feels like it's very, it feels uh, very cinematic. Um, 
to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Pink Floyd and mm-hmm. a lot of oh, yeah. more deeper progressive bands. I know a lot of people just know me as this rock bass player because I've done a lot of that. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've actually co-produced two uh, reggae records. I, I was in a flamenco group for two years. Uh-huh. I've done country records. I, you know, I've done, mm-hmm. I've done a heavy rap record with Send Dog from Cypress Hill. So wow. I've like, I'm gonna, you know, I do a lot of sessions, and I like to play. It. It's good musically. I like mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. In the '70s, I had a prog band, and and um, you know, that's kind of. I saw. This is how it all started. I saw Yes when I was 15 mm-hmm. at Whiskey for five dollars. I had no idea. That's never awesome. heard their music. But I heard that that was a good band. So I went in there and I totally <laughs> twisted my head around. I was into, at the time, Deep Purple and Black Sabbath. And, mm-hmm. that, and that totally took me to a whole new world of prog music with ELP and Jenna oh, wow. Johnson. Yeah. King Crimson uh, is a good example. In my 10th grade high school class, um, my, um, I used the song 21st Century Schizoid man as my as you know the assignment and the teacher was so blown away she made the whole class listen to the entire album so that's kind of my upbringing and that's why this developed into an album was i had the time i started i ended up having five songs um completed and then um i did this video for for um, a cover of bjork's uh, song army of me which is really an unexpected song from somebody that people know me as of this yeah. Yeah. Um, and I put together a video with a, um, a 3D animator friend of mine named Drew Lanius and I and at that time uh, Ruth Ginsburg had just passed and mm-hmm. we've just gone through all the unrest throughout you know in our country and oh, I, yeah. I decided to make the army because she said our, the lyric is army of me be Ruth Ginsburg so in the video you see an army of Ruth Ginsburg's marching on Washington because there's still an army of people that still believe in human rights here and we got to fight for them my my, you know that's my feeling on it is so that's how that all came about and there's unrest going on in the video it's Mm -hmm. it was timely you know for yes when I did it Mm -hmm. you know that's like for us you know we started this show January of 2020 we did. Okay. And so a couple months before the pandemic, and I remember original plan was maybe a hundred interviews first year. We thought if we could do that, it'd be a great foundation. And then everything gets shut down. And I'm sitting there with so I'm watching things get shut down. I told Sandy, I was like, you know, um, this could be our time to shine because you know, everybody everybody's home. Yeah, they're at yeah. home and they're gonna need a place to talk and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a good that- thing people that normally wouldn't come on a brand new show might be willing to come on a brand new show. Right. And so we reached out to everybody. Next thing you know, we started getting people like Randy Travis, Sarah Evans, um, right. Ed Asner, the actor coming on. the I show. Know Ed Asner's, yeah. And we're just sitting there like blown away. And because of that step up and the pandemic, we end up doing over 300 interviews the first year and we're over 500 now. Wow. wow that's fantastic. We just ran, you know, it was like, you know what? We knew that this, this kind of opportunity would probably not be there ever. Now we, at least we hope it won't anyway, (laughs) you know, but we knew that the odds are we would never have this kind of position as a brand new show. And we just had the run. Well, congratulations. I'm, you know, you, you as like with me, you took a bad situation and made it try to turn it into something positive. Which uh, mm-hmm. this has for me, and oh, you mentioned my uh, at the big top of the uh, the show about my my newest single. It's called yes. Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Again, something that where the stars aligned. The lyric on that um, it's an anti-war message, but the lyric was written by Joe Retta, who wrote mm-hmm. the vocal parts for it um, before the Russian invasion. Oh, wow. but, but mm-hmm. When I made the video, I felt that I should tie that whole event into uh the video so there's some of oh, that wow. you can see it, it's it's the whole concept of the song really is, is as humans we started with throwing stones at each other and now we're launch, launching missiles and throwing grenades at each other when are we going to learn how long is it going to take you know so that's basically yeah. the message in the song and one reviewer compared it to primus meets stevie wonder which is wow. like, and when i go you know what i think she's right when i listen to it <laughs> It's, it's, I wanted to go modern and unique with it, but at the same time, kind of have some 70s soul. 
Sure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely love that. Now, as you know, um, a lot of people um, see the glory in what you do, but they don't kind of see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles it takes to get to top levels within entertainment. I always want to hit that side of it because, as you know, people kind of gloss over this side and you know they think if you got talent, you'll make it. But we both know that that's well, not true. Even <laughs> and so, I just had this discussion with with a, uh, a very successful boy. He's had like his. One of his albums sold three million copies, but I was with him last night. And we're talking about how we've had this success, but at the same time, the people around us, our management and all that, totally ripped us all off. Wow! Uh, I mean, just yeah. his story is like, oh my god, like millions. I'm going really. I go, I, I you know, it's terrible. You know, my, my first album uh, sold ten million copies, and I made a thousand dollars. Oh wow! So, you know, and that was back when there was money. Yeah, I know that. That's that side of the story. It's just. You know, they they kind of take advantage of your naivety and mm-hmm. you know your new. Oh, you're just excited to be there. And oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to have a record. I get to rock. Yeah. But they're going, yeah, okay, let's get in there and just pick this guy. He <laughs> won't know the difference. Anyway, so that's that's a downside that people probably don't know that much about. But um, I got to tell most people think it's glamorous. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. you know, I was doing since 2011 weekend flyout dates, which involves like getting up at two in the morning, three in the morning, going driving an hour to the airport, getting on a plane, flying, you know, two flights or sometimes three, and then driving two hours in a van, going right to sound check, um, doing the show, getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go back to the airport to do it all again in another stop and then another one. And I remember doing four shows in a row and I never had the opportunity to get three hours of sleep in a row. It was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, just go, 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 go. And and it's it's just not what you think. You know, it'd be nice if it was like, hey, I'm getting in the Learjet. I'll That's why it. you have to have a passion for it. Because if you don't, it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, I know. You really got to love what you're doing. And I'll tell you what, you go through a lot for that 75 to 90 minutes that you're on stage. So I tell, I was telling people, I go, look, I get paid to travel. <laughs> Performing yeah. now is, is a privilege as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And, everything, so. and I know a lot of people don't know this too, because um, we, we as we've interviewed a lot of people, we've learned this. I would have never even imagined this, but we've heard several stories where, um, and of course, not all labels do this. So I don't want anybody, an executive from a label, say, "Hey, I'm slamming labels. I'm not." But you know, I've heard stories where a label will, they're they're grooming somebody, and you come up, and you're coming up, and you and they see you as a threat. So they come to you and say, look, we will sign you. Yeah, and they'll, they'll shelf you. Yep, and they'll shelf you for yeah, three years. So many I've seen years. that happen to a few people. Yeah. And it's and, and here it is. All of a sudden, you're like you said, you don't read the fine print. You're excited. Oh, my God, I'm getting on this label. It's finally happening. You sign that dotted line because you didn't have an attorney look at it. And the next thing you know, you can't even do any music. You're, you can't do anything. Your hands are tied. You, yeah, you've got to be. Before you execute a contract, you really need to. That's something that I always tell. What's your motto? Get it in writing, but make sure you know what it says. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. but I mean, in the language on that thing, now you have to like go. Are you saying that blah blah blah, or are you saying this? Because you you can read different the way. I think legalese is written so that the attorneys can decipher each other and make money. Is really because they yeah. make it so complicated. It's, they, it's like a foreign language to me. Some of the language in the in the contracts that I've read, I've had plenty throughout my career. But yeah, and then the sad part is, I've heard several stories where not only do they shelf them for three years, but then when that three years is up, that other person that they put all that money in is taken off. So then they just cut you. Oh yeah, then you're done. Yeah. So, so, you know, it don't matter now because the, their person well, that they put money in has made it. Yeah, it's it's you're basically a commodity. There's no there's it became uh, a point where there's no heart and soul. One of the things that happened, I think, to the record industry in general, mm-hmm. is that they stopped developing artists. You're saying, well, yeah. they took kind of help. They stopped even doing that. I'm telling you right now, if even 20 years ago, if Bruce Springsteen or U2 came out, they would have not been success. They would not have had a career because. Neither of their op- their first albums did anything, and um, yeah. the way the labels were set up, they gave they were giving you like six weeks to prove yourself that, that you're going to get traction. 
But in those days, they developed artists. They they worked with yeah. them. They looked for songs. They helped, <clears throat> they helped them tour. They helped them build. I mean, Springsteen built in your area. He came up from a tri-state. He built this huge foundation in a tri-state area there. Mm-hmm. And then it, it went from there. It wasn't an immediate success. And now nowadays, you don't have that opportunity. If, if you don't happen right away, if you're signed to a label, you know, like a major, they'll just go, okay, next. And I think a double-edged sword, because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, social media is great. Now you can be seen. But it's become, I think, a double-edged sword because now labels are like, you know what? I don't care how good you are. If you don't have that following, we're not signing you. Well, that's what they look at now. They look at they look at how many followers you have and what you've already done and all that. And, and another problem with today's, you know, the, the great Internet and all that is that you've, they've killed that whole uh, being able to make um, – an income yeah. via selling product because everybody just downloads it for free. It's like, it's put out there and in Spotify, you, you know, what do you get? Like $50 if you have a million streams. I mean, I don't know. It's something stupid. It's and there's also, I just, I thought it was 30,000, but my friend last night said that it was 80,000 songs released a day. Wow. And how do you rise above that? And that's, yeah. I kind of, this is my first time out trying to do my own thing. And so you're of, learning all this, like I'm learning all this and I'm going, Oh, who did I forget to tag? Oh, who did I have to hashtag? Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to do these posts and make sure that I that it reaches the right amount of people. And then there's algorithms you got to deal with. And Facebook won't allow you to like send people to YouTube. You can put it up, you can put your link on your Facebook page, but they're not going to send it out to too many people because they don't want people to leave their platform and go oh, to YouTube. Yeah. Okay. And see, that's what we're like. We, you know, we stream live to both YouTube and facebook to be honest with you once our youtube channel gets big enough i'm not i'll probably won't stream the facebook anymore because because they're doing so much to bring everybody down why do i want to stay over there yeah well one of one of my workarounds has been i do a youtube link and i do a a live an upload to Mm -hmm. facebook so it lives on there it lives on there for me as far as um the the couple things that i've done with videos and i just did a, a uh one minute movie style trailer for the album that I think kicks ass. But anyway, I put that um, it's on YouTube and it also just goes up to my social media, socials like uh, Instagram or whatever direct. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't take anybody away. They just have to look at it. It's only one minute, but you can hit it and look at it. You know? Yeah. Cause I think that's where a lot of people are doing who want to focus mostly on YouTube is there, you know, if it's a 30 minute um, thing, they'll take a clip of it, put it on Facebook so they'll upload it so that he's still using Facebook video, but then to watch the whole thing, here's the YouTube link. Yeah. And even in the comments, you can, you can write in your, in the, in the top, look at the first comment to go, to know where to go. And that's another workaround, but it's like, look at all the games you got to play just to get, I mean, for me, this, this album for me is, I want this to be my legacy. I don't want the yeah. very first album I ever did. That I who knew it would sell 10 million copies. I don't want that to be my legacy. Um, I just played on it and I sang on it. I want, I oversaw every element on this album. So I want, I, you know, I, I, I would prefer that this, I just want people to hear it. You know, I'm, I'm not looking to like get rich or do it or whatever. I just, just check it out, listen to it. I think you'll dig it. You know, it's basically um, the way I feel about it. Now you've been doing music for a long time. You know, a lot of people would ask, when did you know you wanted to be a musician? But I always like to go deeper than that because what you kind of did talk about that part of it already. When did it click for you that you could have, you could make a career in this? Well, I first got started, you know, at a very young age. Uh, I think I was almost 15 and I kind of played guitar in the neighborhood kids that were big older they were 16 17 18 they had a band and they said hey you play you play guitar right and i said well a little bit and they go do you think you could play bass and i said well wait a minute isn't that only four strings and I said, <laughs> you know and i said well let me ask my mom and i went to my mom and go hey i could be in a band if i can she goes okay let's go get you a bass and i it was i picked one right up you know um my my biggest influence was jack bruce with cream so when mm-hmm. I first started playing, I did my first gig uh, with this band. It was at a UCLA fraternity party, and I made seventy-five dollars. I drank beer, and the girls thought I was cute. <laughs> and now keep in, mind, keep in mind, up until this point, 
I was in military school for almost nine years. I was oh, wow. second in command of the battalion. I was going to go to the the Air the Air Force High School, and then the, the, it set you up to go to the Air Force Academy. Oh wow! The Air yeah. Force because I wanted to be a pilot. This was my my dream. And then that one gig changed my whole course. My mom's going, wait a minute, you just spent all, almost nine years doing this? I excelled in that in that uh, role, um, the leadership mm -hmm. role. I guess that's why my event, Ultimate Jam Night, works. But um, anyway, uh, so when I that's when I knew it was was uh, I just once I got a taste of it and doing it, that's that was it for me. I you know. I remember being a little kid with my tennis racket playing to all the shag carpets and those were all the people, you know, <laughs> Beatles. I remember seeing the Beatles and going, oh, I want to do that. You know, I remember that. So now all those little shag carpets turned into people because I've been very blessed to play for as many as 120,000 people is the wow. most in 55,000 oh, or whatever mm -hmm. and different big festival shows in, in Europe and in Japan and here in the States. Um, but yeah, so it started, it started that one gig. And an interesting story about Jack Bruce. He was at Sparta a couple of rest in peace. Um, I got a bass, uh, it's a Gibson EB3, because of his, because of what he was playing, right? And he first song I ever heard on bass was Sunshine of Your Love. So cut to years later, I'm on tour with Vanilla Fudge, and the oh. old Jack's bass player inherited millions of dollars because his father had passed and he was the CEO of Pfizer. He, so oh, he has a huge music gear collection. I end up going to his house after the tour, and he goes, check it out. There it is. It's the bass that he cut Sunshine of Your Love on. It's Jack Bruce's wow. bass. I went, oh, my God, I got to play it. It's the first song <laughs> I ever learned, right? And I played his bass. <laughs> cut that song. So yeah. it's a fun, yeah, a little nugget of uh, uh, trivia there. Wow. That's, yeah, so that's how I became a bass player. I also love playing drums, but I just didn't want to set up all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like, oh, forget it. I'm going to be the bass player. You know, <laughs> I had both in my house. Eventually, we had a drum set. And part of the reason I think I got the gig with the band is I had a place we could rehearse, honestly. But, you know, <laughs> I had a, a, a room in the back of the house that was big enough so I could set up and play something. Yeah. Now, as you know, a lot of people, they see you, but they don't see the team behind you. In our opinion, teams never get the love they deserve. They don't. On our show, they get a little love. So take a few moments and tell us about the team that kind of helps you be who you are on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I, I'm constantly working on, um, I have an event. Um, we started in 2015. I mean, I started in 2015 called Ultimate Jam Night, and you can check that out at ultimatejamnight.com. Um, I coordinate between 50 and as many as 100 um, professional musicians uh, in a, a a jam it's we call it ultimate jam night but it's really not a jam everybody knows ahead of time what the song is what key they're in well the, i sent a youtube of the version and if it doesn't have an ending I, I i give them an idea for what how the song should end and the tuning some songs are neat flat some songs are, are 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 in standard tuning or whatever it is but i have people that work with me when i do the event i have a killer stage crew you know guitar tech and drum tech um, my partner in, in this um, uh, actually does the stage management, but he also, we have a script. I have an MC, yeah. but we have a script when we're bringing each person up. We say, hey, let's bring up, you know, whoever, um, you know, Mickey D from Motorhead uh, <laughs> came up. We've had a lot of great guests. I mean, Dee Snyder and Robin Zander and the list goes on. You can see wow. photos um, up and it's a different theme each week, too. So we flush out what the theme is going to be. This week it's a Britain rock. So we're just doing um, British artists. And there's so many of them. This is just going to be part one. And yeah. a couple of weeks yeah. ago, um, a couple of weeks back, we did a benefit for Ukraine for the World Central Kitchen and raised, did an mm -hmm. auction, raised a bunch of money to wow. help to try to help that situation. We've done, yeah. A, yeah. We've done a few charities over the year. Um, but I have um, I also have a social media person um named jessica chase who um does the the posting most of that and i actually am a graphic designer so i've done a lot of the the actual show posters and then she'll take over to do the individual ones that's the way it's working now but um so there's a there's a team behind it definitely um <laughs> on, on that thing. and my own personal thing with this new record mm. um, through mm -hmm. ultimate and i partly um i mean we've had well over two thousand. Musicians, and we have some wow. 
some that are reoccurring that come a lot. And I've become friends with so many great, talented, amazing people that that um, you know, they, I invited them. I said, hey, check this song out. You want to play on it? Check it out, right? Yeah. Um, I have a, there's a girl named Whitney Ty who's actually does the vocals on three songs. And um, she's what she's I saw her sing it. At, she came down and did Ultimate Jam Night. I mean, I saw a video of her, but seeing mm. some of the lives mm-hmm. different. It was fantastic. So when I did Army of Me, I'm thinking, oh, who's the right voice for this song? You know, and I thought of her. We started working together and I love working with her so much. We wrote a song together that's on the album. It's called Time Waits for No One. And then <laughs> I had her sing. And it don't. Yeah, uh, I, I had her sing one of my favorite songs on the album called Giving Up the Ghost. It's kind of like a Sarah McLaughlin kind of vibe. Song. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's a real beautiful song and, and perfect voice for that. And I, I brought in uh, uh, Jeff Scott Soto to sing one of a lot of people. Don't, I don't know if you know who he is. He's um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He sang for Journey. Um, oh, he, he's, he's done, you know, he has his own solo albums out. Um, uh, anyway, so I thought he would be great. Because a lot of people don't know that he's an amazing R&B singer, too. And this song is a total funk R&B type song. So I said, hey, check this out. It already had the vocals written. I go, hey, Jeff, check this out. Can you want to sing it? And he goes, oh, this is killer. Three hours later, I get his (laughs) I went, what? And and I I wouldn't change a thing on it. It's amazing. And the same thing with Joe Retta, um, who I was in Heaven and Earth with. Um, It's a super talented guy that, that... was in Sweet and Dio Disciples. Um, I just sent him the music to Throwing Stones. I said, yeah. do this thing, let yeah. me hear it. And he said, like, like the guy said, it's like Stevie Wonder, his vocal, he can sing. Wow. Even though he does Dio amazing, he can sing like Stevie Wonder too. And and, uh, yeah. and that kind of thing. It's just, it turned out great. I mean, I'm blessed to have so many great artists surrounding me. Hence the name Sheltering Sky. I kind of, I've always felt like I didn't want to call it Chuck Wright's umbrella, but that's how I've kind of felt. <laughs> I kind of feel like an umbrella um, mm-hmm. you know, with all these musicians under, and I'm trying to put everybody together. And through mm-hmm. Ultimate Jam Night, there have been bands formed, and guys got hired for tours. Um, people even got married that met there. It's It's been uh, it's wow. a social gathering of musicians. And when I started at DJs in Los Angeles were taking over, and they can't jam, you know, so let's – you know, I, I this was not a good thing. So we, the musicians needed a place to, and I said, you know, let's do it. So I put it together, and and uh, I like I can organize, and I've had help organizing. Polly Z um, is my MC, who's just the singer, current singer of Sweet, and he had a thing in in the uh, you you might know him from ZO2. He's from mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He had a he had a TV show called ZO2 for a couple of years. It was a, a based on his band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he's an amazing MC, but he also for, after I did it for two years of organizing, I couldn't take it anymore. And <laughs> like, I swear it's like herding cats. It really is. <laughs> so, so Polly, he came on board. He started organizing, and then the pandemic hit, went away. And when we started back, he goes, "No, no, no, no! I can't do it anymore. I've got too much going on, and I just can't yeah. deal with it." So I'm back to organizing shows again. So it's it's wow. very time intensive, and you know. It's frustrating when people don't get back with you and just trying to communicate and then you get mm-hmm. something all set up and then somebody drops out at the last minute. That's happened. I've actually had somebody call me, I don't know, it was like an hour before you're supposed to be on stage. Oh, I'm not going to make it now. What? <laughs> it's like, no, you know, we're trying to scrambling to find, hey, you know this song? Hey, you know this song? Trying to <laughs> that, I remember that guy. We, we built a song around him with horn section and keyboards and a full, just to make that song is, kill and then the guy doesn't he just got flippantly whatever it's like oh man it's not that i mean we go through that again on a lower scale not like that we put on the thing but we go through that same thing with our show you know we'll reach out we reach out to a bunch of people and most people um don't ever get back to us Uh, i mean i i can handle look we'll pass for now i'm okay we get i get so many of those i'm used to that Mm -hmm. but but there's some people that they never do and 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 but i will email every month because again I've gotten people who have said no many times, and then finally they say, "Yeah, I'll finally, okay, I'll come and do it." Well, you can be on everybody, every label's PR uh, person's uh, list to do it. You know, that's uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how uh, Cleopatra's people found you, but that, I think it's great. I think get, getting the word out however you can is the, what to do. You know, and this is great. 
being able to get any aspirin question a cool thing. Yeah, I'll tell my friends that are putting out a record, call, call Chris and Sandy. Um, we appreciate that. We definitely appreciate that. <laughs> we love what we do. We yeah. love this. And it's, yeah. it's not easy. Um, we have, you know, our 30 to 60 minutes that we have with each guest. That's, that's the time the we shine. Part. That's the yeah. fun. That's fun. Yeah, that's Outside the time. Outside of that, nobody sees. Yeah. That's true. But you have to do all the research, too. So you... Yeah. You, you yeah, have, you have to. Yeah, we do it all. And oh, yeah. Now, now yeah, my goal, I'll be honest, yeah. my goal is not to over-research. I, I want to learn about the guests live, you know, okay. because, you, you know, I do just enough to where I know, so where, know, I know where to guide it. Know the um, right. And, but at the same time, I want to keep it open enough to where if you, if you say something, oh, we go there. So, I mean, there's been shows right. where I've brought somebody on and we, we get off and we're like, I didn't see that route coming. But it was awesome. <laughs> but oh, it was yeah. Awesome. yeah. You go off on a different tangent. Well, that's like any conversation. It leads to different paths as certain things, yeah. part of memory or, you know, whatever. You it, That's the way conversations go in general is that it just kind of winds around. And that's how we try to keep our show. It's it's good to cut, try to stay focused on what you're trying to get across. Which for me, it's the out. The finally, after 40 years in the business, doing my own thing and getting to oversee everything, um, and, and so it's 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 a great thing. Love that. You yeah. know, speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our little ten-year-old that we bring on to ask a couple questions. Oh. So Sandy's going to go get him. I'll get him. And I did an interview him. with the ten-year-old recently. <laughs> and he, oh, wow. You know what his question was? What? Which kind of caught me way off guard. He goes, so what do you want your last meal to be? <laughs> went, what? Oh, wow. That's a good one, actually. I know, but that's a weird question for a, from a 10-year-old. I go, what are you thinking about death for? It's like, <laughs> that, that, that's funny. And, um, and, you know, we've got a three-year-old that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into the show, too, because we try to keep it within the family here. Well, that's nice. <clears throat> So outside of what you're already doing, what do you see as next for you? Well, right now I'm just working on this record and um, I've got some sessions coming up. I've been working with a thing called the Legends of Classic Rock with the original oh, wow. founding member of White Lion, the drummer, Greg D'Angelo, and a singer that was with Great White for over 12 years, I think, is uh, Terry Luce. And uh, my longtime friend, uh, Kevin Jones, who played uh, toured with Ozzy and Randy Rhodes on keyboards, and we did, we just did five weeks out, and uh, I've got a show with them on the twenty sixth. It's a lot of fun. We just do songs from our, uh, you know, from the different albums we put out. Wow! Yeah, so here's fun. our big ten year old. He's like, wow, you are you're only ten. Yes. You're like sixteen to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't grow up too fast, though, man. Yeah, he's, Enjoy he's, your youth. he's almost he's as tall as Mama. Enjoy your youth. Yep. <laughs> so what's your favorite food? See, it's like that question. When, when's the last your last meal? <laughs> what's my favorite food? I had it last night. Pizza. Ooh, I had a barbecue chicken pizza last night, actually. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. My favorite is pizza. Yours too? Mm-hmm. There you go. See? What do you mm -hmm. like? What kind? A perosage and supreme, and also pineapple. He's got four different faves. See, I can't, I can't do the pineapple. It just doesn't. It, it's too weird. It's like putting peanut butter on, on mayonnaise or something. It's <laughs> funny because everybody would always ask him when he said his favorite pizza is pizza. Have you ever tried pineapple? So everybody finally made convinced him to try it. Yeah, it's a weird combination of sweet and the, the, the you know whatever the tomato. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> okay, so it's great. What's the very TV show? Um, well, you know what? I don't really watch any regular. I, Ozark is the last, ex, as far as um, something that was a continuing series that I just finished, which was an intense, great um, show. But uh, basically what I do is I watch shows on Netflix and Hulu and things like that that are uh, an ongoing series. And I, I like all kinds of uh things but i really i really love sci-fi um a lot my favorite movie is blade runner as far as the sci-fi world um but yeah just you know netflix and it's been very helpful having netflix during the pandemic so, so what's your favorite tv show and yeah. 
All right, my vertigo is for MFR movies and minions. Oh, the little minions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're so cute. I, You know what? I live, if I go outside and look up the hill, Universal City is right there, and there's this giant minion up there that I see mm -hmm. every day. He gets to see that every day. Oh, wow. yeah, every day there's a giant minion up there. Hmm. I mean, huge. It's as big as a building. <laughs> yeah, our our three year old loves the minions, so she would probably make us go see it every day. Yeah, they all have their own little personalities, don't they? Yep. Evil ones or some nice ones or. <laughs> yeah. Bye, thanks. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely loves to do the show. We've had him on ninety eight percent of the shows. Oh, good. <laughs> so who knows well, where he went to the food question right after I told you about the food question from the team. Yeah, it was funny when you talked about the food question. I was like, well, he's gonna. Ha I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's gonna have, he's a, gonna have a, a food question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a standard. Well, question. At least it wasn't your last meal. <laughs> that's true. Just what's your favorite? That's a crazy one. I've never heard that. Oh, one. Yeah, from a ten year old. What? Yes. What does life mean to you? From a ten-year-old with his voice that way. No. Anyway. So, what's a song out there you've heard that you wish you wrote? Oh man, that's a. I guess the one popped right into my head. I guess I should take the first one. Yeah. It's a song called "Shape of My Heart" by Sting. Oh wow! Oh, I'm a big, huge Sting fan. Ten Sumner's Tale. Um, if it was on vinyl, I would wore it out. But you know, it's on digital. Yeah. I, I mean, when I I remember wearing out my "Close to the Edge" album. The yes, when I was a kid, it just it suddenly it was like all just noise because I played it so many times. Which you know, mm -hmm. that, that which reminds me, it's, it's such an experience mm -hmm. that the, the youth today don't get to enjoy. I mean, I learned about so many bands by going to the record store, mm -hmm. and I made a yes. friend with the guy there. This is like when I was you know sixteen or whatever around then, and he he knew that I liked English. You know, like I was getting. In, he goes, hey, check out this. This uh, magazine from from England. It's actually a newspaper. It's mm -hmm. called Melody Maker, and I'm reading about all these bands. And there's Humble Pie, and there's Yes, and there's and so when those bands came to L.A., I would say, Mom, Mom, I, can I go to the whiskey? I want to see this this band called Humble Pie. They're really great, or wherever they were playing. I think they were Santa Monica Pacific. I mean, I saw David Bowie at Santa Monica Pacific doing Ziggy uh, Stardust, and when Queen first came to L.A., they did a back to back show. I saw both shows back to back. Um, their very first tour, Black Sabbath's first show at the Whiskey when I was a kid, mm -hmm. the loudest thing I'd ever heard at that point in my life. It's like, ah! you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but that's something kid, they don't, you know, like going through looking at the vinyl and actually the artwork now isn't near as important as it used to be. I mean, it was like yeah. you get the album yeah. and and you not so much was given away uh, back in the day. It's like you couldn't wait to see the band live because you really only had the album cover and you didn't really. Right. Know too much more about it unless they came out in a magazine and you saw one little picture this big. Yeah. So you, the excitement about seeing them live was so great, but now you're like pummeled with with imagery and videos and this. Like, okay, yeah. I saw it already. Why do I want to go? And, I mean, that's my opinion. I think that yeah, the, the that makes today, sense. I think today missed out on a, on a great experience. <laughs> Definitely was. <clears throat> so, where do you want to be in the next five years? Oh, that's. I, I would like to be on an island drinking a martini or a <laughs> and not thinking about anything but yes. how beautiful the sunset is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, but the, the kind of things I want to do involve a lot of money. So production-wise, mm -hmm. I'm really into big production and into big shows, and I, I've had some ideas even scripted out that I wanted to, that I wanted to do. I almost had a show um, – in Las Vegas, uh, a couple of hotels were very interested. They just didn't have enough funding to do the kind of show. We didn't want to. We didn't want to do a streamed down version of yeah. the full yeah. thing. So, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing I really, I really love that. I've gotten into. Um, I don't know if you've seen my last two videos, but I've got it. Gotten into video production a lot. Mm. Uh, that's something I've always loved. When I was a little kid, my mom was dating a guy at NBC. And I and I used to go down and watch them film um, uh, different different shows there. Mm -hmm. Martin, for instance, had a show back then called The Gold Diggers. And yeah. I'm a little kid. I met John Wayne and Bobby Darren and all the one. And I watched these shows come together. So ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved that aspect of it. Even so much when I went to when I went to concerts, 
not only am I enjoying the music, but I'm going, oh, the light. Oh, okay, so you shin busters coming from the side really is a cool effect. I'm oh, thinking wow. of all these production things. So I've always been into that aspect. And now that, um, you know, doing my own videos and, and kind of overseeing things like that and working with an amazingly talented uh, cinematographer, editor, um, we're able to create something that looks like a very expensive product cheaply just because you use the creative eye for things. Yeah. And editing makes a big difference for everything. <clears throat> Love that. So I might go into that. I'm thinking about, I've been, that's something that's been on my plate going, I think I might do video production company on the side and play. Oh, wow. and do, you know, but I don't have to get on a plane. <laughs> I'm so tired of being on planes. Yeah. I mean, come on. I was doing like, you know, eight flights a weekend, maybe more. That's you know, crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. Like you said, it's not as glamorous as, like I was saying, it's not as glamorous as people think. That's for sure. Well, but, you know, talking about side things, you know, we just, we're just in the process of buying a drone because little Chris wants the drone so yeah. bad. Oh, he does. And, 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 and but we, we bought one of the lower while. end ones, but with a good camera on it. Um, right. cause we're going to kind of see if, you know, if, hey, if we can use it to make money, then we'll end up buying one of the higher end ones. Yeah. Drones are great. The, the guy I work with doing videos, we haven't used one yet in the videos, but he's got some wonderful videos that he's done using a drone. Yeah. It's well, definitely the future. And I'm like, you know what, you know, yeah, that's I funny. Low Chris wanted one that. so bad. So I'm like, you know what, let's get one that we might can make money with that way we can maybe cover the cost of it. And then right. if it's something that we really like doing, well, we can turn it into a business model. Right. You should. Got to always look at different avenues for uh, revenue streams. However, you can, you know. Especially so, in this day and time, you know, one a gas might eventually be ten bucks a gallon. Might be. I don't think it'll go there, but you never know the way the world is. I mean, there's, <laughs> as far as what I understand, we're just being price gouged. If they'll use any excuse there is, yeah. oh, there really is no shortage. We're just going to start charging them more money because there's a perception out there. Cause I'm like, it's got to eventually, I was like, where's it, where's it going to yeah, stop? It and yeah, it's like, where's that bottom? We got to find it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that that's a gauge for how well somebody's doing in office too, which is too bad because uh, it's definitely a corporate decisions that are making that happen. It has nothing to do with the government. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so as you look further down the road and um, what do you hope that you never forget? Hope that I never forget. Well, I, I hope that I'm not, as I get way down the road, that I don't, you know, the Alzheimer's thing is terrible. I, I, know I have a lot of great memories. I have stacks in my closet back here of photo albums before we went digital. I used to cut out like every magazine article. Uh -huh. when, we were, when the songs were charting, I would cut out wow. the charts to see who we're up against. When I was in Jafria, we had a hit song. And I look back on that chart now, and we were up against Like a Virgin, uh, run to you, um, oh, yeah. dance, all these songs that are wow. classics. I'm going, wow, this, this is amazing. I couldn't name you one song in the top 10 right now, but back then there's all these classic songs that, that, uh, you know, so I have that, that's every, you know, those, those kind of things, just looking at a picture can spark so many memories. So I try to keep that stuff. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of things, um, online. Uh, I'm on Facebook so people can, I have photo albums and of, of my history, um, and there's some things on uh, ChuckWright.com too. And you can find out you can find out all about what I'm doing um, on my website, which I built myself. And Ultimate Jam Night has a website I built. But um, there's videos and there's links and all that stuff. But um, I just hope I remember everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, there's 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 I have my I guess one of my fondest memories. Has nothing to do with music. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It was um, my mom moved to Maui, and um, we we drove up to the top of Haleakala, which is uh, a volcano. It's oh, yeah. Eleven thousand feet, twelve. I don't know. It's way up there. But we watched this uh, sunrise together. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And um, yeah, want to hold yeah. on to that. Uh, what are some sources of inspiration for you? Some sources? Well, yeah. uh, uh, well, here's a, here's one that happened on this album. Um, I got a phone call about Frankie Benelli's passing, the, the drummer that I've been working with off and on mm -hmm. since 85. Mm -hmm. And I sat right down 
And my 12 string was sitting there, picked it up, and I wrote uh, the song See You on the Other Side. Uh, yeah. And it all came out in one time. The, the full arrangement, even the chorus idea, the lyric. I, I finished out the verses with a singer. I went to this singer on purpose because he had been working with Frankie most recently and was a good friend of his now. Um, so I said, hey, do you want to finish this out with me? And then I went to the keyboard player that he had been working with and uh, Mr. Jimmy, the guitar player he had been working with, he's in Japan, mm -hmm. on it so that I kind of incorporated you know, his friends. But it also... That yeah. song yeah. Is, is about everybody that we've lost along the way. Really, everybody can relate to it. Um, about seeing you on the other side, and that was an inspiration. If you're asking about an inspiration, but that yeah. that's a good example, I think, of being inspired to write something. And, and the fact mm -hmm. that it just all happened at one time. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Just all, going back to it, go. Oh, you know what? That bridge could be better. Oh, this could be better. This <laughs> is just all just one. You know, came there, together. This, was, yeah, the bridge is. It's a very interesting bridge, and I, I, uh, a lot of interesting chord changes. And I go, who would be a great? I needed it's a free guitar solo, so I go, I need like a Jeff Beck, really melodic type solo for this. So I reached out to my friend Jude Gold, who's with Jefferson Starship, and I, I said, mm -hmm. listen to this. He goes, oh, this is great. So he played on it. He's on a couple other things, and his solo on that is brilliant. That song, but that's I guess that's one inspiration. Yeah. And I've had like breakup. I wrote a song with House of Lords called um, "Standing on the Edge of Your Life" when my my then girlfriend I was with for years was going through a really really tough time, and we ended up breaking up as she got into drugs and all this terrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like she was standing on the edge of her life right there, and so mm -hmm. that yeah. inspired that lyric and music. So different life events can can sometimes you just write because you're feeling the groove. Yeah. You know, like uh, there's a song on my album. The only one where I started with bass, it, it's called uh, uh, Farewell Horizon, and it's an instrumental, and it started with me just doing chordal-type things on bass, and then I added mm -hmm. another bass, mm -hmm. then I started playing a piece of guitar to it, and I actually had a full song. I go, oh, wow. Um, wow. I got a hold of my friend Toshi Inagi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, wow, this is great. I got a hold of my friend Toshi Inagi, who's, uh, you might know him, he's a house guitar player on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, yeah, okay. He's an amazing guitar player. I mean, he, I'm going to go see him this this weekend. Jazz fusion band, and or he does every style great. But I thought mm -hmm. he'd be perfect. I said, hey, could you like come up with some nice melodies and do some shredding um, on, on on this section of that? And he just sent me something that was so beautiful. The song just grew, and that's the way it's it's kind of happened. It's like different people have come out, and that's why it's not Chuck Wright. It's like a, it's a whole name the sheltering sky is everybody mm -hmm. Love it. awesome and what would you like for your legacy to be in music what would you like to be most known and remembered for well that's part of why i, I want this record to to see the light of day for for yeah. a lot of people because it really represents i haven't ever done my own thing yeah right it really represents musically what i'm about there's so many different styles on the album it's a it's almost cinematic and experience wise from top to top to bottom you know from the beginning to the end of the song the 11 songs um i know a lot of people will think my legacy is the very first record i ever did in 83 because it was mm -hmm. such a who knew the first thing yeah. you ever record is going to become a number one album you know mm -hmm. <laughs> that album changed the fabric of the music business right then because yeah. mm -hmm. became such a huge song that all the record labels go okay no more new wave bands let's get hair, guys with hair and play hard rock <laughs> <laughs> goodbye mac goodbye motels hello cinderella hello rat mm -hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's, it was totally what kicked the doors open for for all of the other bands but wow. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's a big part of history. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had my own thing at the time. So it's like, I was so shocked. Um, but it's more about this. It's, you know, this is my hope is that this sees enough attention where people get a chance to hear it. Yeah. And that's, you know, they go, you know, when they think about me, they think, yeah, that thing he did was so amazing. All the music on it. That's really what he's about. It's not about rocking and doing this one, one song that I'm known for. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, exactly. And if you could say anything to your fans and followers, what would you want to tell them? Um, well, yeah, there are some fans around the world. I, um, basically, please have a listen. Um, go in with an, uh, an open mind and just experience it. It's immersive, and I think you'll dig it. And uh, 
I hope to see you at some point on the road. I have a lot of friends out there that I visit when I go into different cities. And um, basically, that's it. Please check it out. There it is right there. There you go. Ah, there be sure to buy it. Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, you can get it anywhere. You know, it'll be out. It's coming out tomorrow. Um, it'll be uh, on all the, all the different platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, Cleopatra Records has it. You can go directly to them or you can go to chuckright.com and there's a link to, to get it. Check it out. The, the uh, package was done by uh, my close friend, Glenn Wexler, who right. you might know his work from Van Halen, oh, wow. Rush, mm -hmm. uh, Deep Purple, on and on and on. He's done, he's like one of the top guys in the business, but he happens to be my best friend. And he said, hey, you want to do your CD package? I go, hell yeah. <laughs> even, though, even though I dabble in graphic design, I, I said, yeah. <laughs> So as we close out here, to, okay. um, what advice would you give that person who's watching who wants to do what you do? Well, first and foremost, do it because you love it. Do not get into this because you think, oh, this is a way I can make money because mm -hmm. that's not what it's about. You have to love what you do to go through what you got to go through to do just 75 minutes of the show. You got to really love the music. You know, it's, it's like I said earlier, a couple of times, it's not as glamorous as you think. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. nice to get on the back and all that, but you can't take that to the bank, you know. So, yeah. so you know, do it because you love it, but but have a backup plan. <laughs> that's, that's what I tell young kids. They always ask me, "Hey, how can I make it?" And I go, you know, especially now. In the '80s, I could there's there was a formula. I I thought um, that you could actually do and maybe have good success with it. But now, it's a, you know, there's so many songs released, and there's so many. It's hard to get above it all. It's, it's, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do it because you love it, and um, that's the only. That my main advice is, is do that. And then if you do anything, somebody tells you they're going to do something, get it in writing. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And read the and, and know and know what to know, know what, what writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Love that. You know, we really enjoyed having you on today, and we definitely look forward to having you back yeah, down the road. Nice, nice missing you. I'm, I'm meeting you, not missing you, meeting you. And, uh, <laughs> Same here. Yeah, I hope to see you again. There'll be more coming, more things coming, I'm sure. So, yeah. awesome. You take care. Thanks for your time. All right. You All too. Right, thanks so much. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody.